What's going on? Quarantine cast number five. I don't know how many things I've done in quarantines. Four, could be five. We're still on lockdown here in LA. And you're back with the bus driver experience. Episode 23. I'm very excited about the guest today because we already recorded this show and it was fantastic. I am super excited that the live stream worked. If you did tune into the live stream, thank you so much. If you haven't tuned into the live stream, go ahead and make sure you subscribe on Twitch, YouTube, Twitter. You can follow me there and watch on Periscope, Facebook, and Facebook Live. I'm there. We broadcasted all four spots. The camera quality is going up. I'm getting a, what are those things called? A, uh, a capture card. So I'm going to be shooting this in 1080 or 4K on my camera going forward. And... Yeah, just go ahead and jump on those things, guys. I'm trying to churn out shows. I got a bunch of shows coming out with the Hoop Bus to be out soon. I'm very excited about that. And yeah, that's pretty much all I got to tell you guys. And I'm just going to jump right into this show today because we have Syracuse basketball legend, just college basketball legend in general. This guy's played professional basketball. He's coached on the college circuit. And he has become an all-around just cool, meditative, enlightened cat. And it was almost kind of like that since I've ever met him back in college, my freshman year. We got Eric Devendorf on the show today. This guy was one of the best college basketball players during his time uh, when he was hooping in Syracuse at Syracuse, New York. Um, throughout the years, he's had so many different highs, uh, some lows, and he's gotten to experience basketball kind of like across the entire spectrum as a player, as a coach, the good times, the bads as a guy, as a father, just really, really, really interesting perspectives he has. And his path has been interesting, and I've been able to have conversations with him all across his time as a hooper uh, from Syracuse to Beheim's Army. And I'm super excited to share the show, uh, stories that we have from our Syracuse days, stories that I haven't shared or told before, and some really cool um insight he has to the game of basketball because he has a lot he's an incredible hooper and i'm sure he's an incredible coach to this day so here we are episode 23 with eric devendorf e eric devendorf welcome to the bus driver experience how are we doing today i'm good man appreciate you having me it's about time huh it's about time we've been talking about this for a while Yes, we have. I think I saw you at the TBT in New York. I want to say it wasn't was it last summer? No, no, two summers ago. Yeah, um, we were in Brooklyn, I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then um, I saw you then. We had a great talk then. I was actually up in Syracuse when you guys were doing training camp up there. Um, and then last year, we didn't fare as well, so good. I was actually supposed to be on that team way back in 2016, the first year. I think Belby asked me to be on that, and then I ruptured my kidney that year in a basketball oh, yeah. game in Kuwait. <laughs> well, that that'll definitely uh, set you aside, wasn't it? <laughs> it's it's it sidelined me bad right there. Um, yeah, <laughs> and that was when the the playing career officially just just ended from outside rec centers and. Yeah, just from rec centers in the park. But I mean, I still go out to <laughs> the park and I, I still try and kill kill somebody on the other team. It's just. You, you well, played with me. That's pretty cool. Oh yeah, absolutely. You're you're a pest. Like you're you're just always there and one of the quickest guys out on the floor. So no, you're you absolutely can do some. Damage. 
I like the rim you got on back of the bus, though, man. That's sweet. Dude, the Hoop Bus Project. I was actually talking with the uh, other founders today. We're, we got a bunch of things planned. But, um, yeah, that thing is so cool, man. Just taking the basketball thing anywhere. And the guy who founded it, there's, like, really cool message, you know, just hoop anywhere with anyone. Yeah. And, and they need some lunatic to drive this thing who also played basketball. And <laughs> they found me. Who, who, I who knew you, I would be so built for a job? You guys, I bet you guys get a lot of attention with that, for sure. Oh, man, it's just the just the amusement it's like the perfect uh icebreaker to have a conversation with anybody or to, to who with somebody it's just like what the fuck yeah <laughs> jaw rolling by like that's a that's a basketball on a bus all right can, can i shoot and then you start shooting you start hooping and it's amazing man exactly that's awesome yeah hopefully we bring it out uh we drove it all the way to chicago for the all-star game um and we remodeled the court out there on the west side of Chicago, um, they did a beautiful job rebuilding. I was just a bus driver and just working on the project when we got there, but they remodeled this entire court, sketched and etched a bunch of stuff into it. Um, so these guys, the, the original Venice Basketball League, they do some really, really cool stuff. So I'm excited when this is all done in quarantine and everybody's out and about again, but that basketball is really like a germ, a germ sponge right now, you know? I know, I know. It's, it's definitely tough. Um, yeah, well, we just got to make do with what we have right now, right? I mean, it's it's kind of, it's like a innovative and creative time, I guess, you know? Very. Hence, the podcast. We, I, I, exactly. love to, I love exactly. to do them in person. I know we've talked about doing them in person when I was in New York. Come on down. But we got it here, and I got you on the show. And I know you've been staying busy. I mean, you've been staying busy with doing all these basketball drills. You're on YouTube, starting a YouTube channel. We love that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Welcome aboard. I appreciate it. Oh, be excited for it. It's, it's a pain in the ass to grow. But luckily, you have a massive network already to, to really expand within it. And, and I'm really not like, uh, you know, I just want to do the basketball part, right? It's like I'm not a big, like, you know, tech guy or, you know, uh, the best at, like, you know, building up a YouTube page or, or anything like that. So uh, it's, it's like a new experience for me, too, man, just kind of, uh, you know, getting it out there and, and kind of marketing it. You know what I mean? It's, it's, mm -hmm. you're putting the content out there and then, you know, it's, I mean, it's different because I guess like, I, you know, I'm still learning about like the algorithms and, and things like that, when to put it out there, who's going to see it. It's so much. And, and when somebody explained it to me, I'm like, man, listen, I just want to do the videos and put them out there and help these kids. But it's so much, you know, it's so much involved, but it's, uh, it's cool, man. It's just like, it's, it's a learning on the go. It's like, it's, I want to be, be able to keep learning and, and, and doing new things. I mean, that was the thing I wish, you know, I had somebody in my ear in the locker room saying, get on, you should be posting every single day on your social media. You should be working this yeah. thing, working that angle, because I think as athletes and I'm still like, I don't push for this at all. Like there's so much potential we have with the influence yeah. of who we've connected with before, or just, you know, that, alumni status you know kids know it from the university but we don't recognize that as players because i think the pride yeah. and the ego is just way too big it's like i don't need a handout i don't need his help i played basketball i'm better than this person but like we, we got to put that aside you know, a lot of guys don't don't they wait till like almost a 35 or 40 to, to really say like i can i can do it yeah no a hundred percent and i think too like especially for athletes, I think they just identify as that, like, this is what I am. And like, you know, it's kind of tough to, 
um, you know, see yourself, especially when you're, you know, in that moment in college or pro, whatever it is to be doing something else. Like, Hey, it's like, especially like you said, uh, being an athlete and having all these people, um, you know, within your reach and, and, you know, to use for resources, like you could do so much more. It's so much opportunity, um, you know, out there besides, you know, the sport that you are, that you are playing. So, um, I think, you know, we limit ourselves a lot of the times, I think in general as human beings to just, Oh, this is all I could do. Um, but you know, we all, we have to realize that if you put the work in and try to learn something new or try to, uh, you know, enhance your business, whatever it is, you could really do it. Just sit down, taking the time to figure it out. And, um, I think it's cool too, man. It's like a process, like figuring more out about yourself. Like, Hey, I'm more than just this. I could do, uh, you know, many things and it kind of like enhance yourself as a human being. You know what I mean? It's, uh, and, and, and we didn't, I had no thought of that in my mind. Like when I was playing, it was just like, like you said, it was just this basketball, basketball, basketball. I'm not thinking about, you know, the other stuff that I, I could be doing, you know? So now it's, it's cool to find that out. No, I feel like that way career-wise, too. It was just like, I am going to be a basketball player. I don't even care. I'm the ninth or tenth guy at Syracuse. I, I, I'm going to go. I'm going to go. I'm going to be a ball player. Like, there was just nothing else after that point in your mind. And you think about it now, all that we know, just like how so ingrained we were <laughs> in those moments. Yeah, it's crazy. It's, we're, not, we're not thinking outside the box. It's like, I mean, they say we only use 10% of our brain. I mean, it's... I want to figure out how I can try to use the other 90%. You know what I mean? It's, that's what, I mean, life's about kind of figuring new, new stuff out and, and, um, you know, enhancing yourself as a person, you don't want to stay like stuck and, and just like, Hey, this is all I'm good at, or this is all I can do. Cause anyone has the potential to do whatever they want. It's just, do you really want to figure it out and do it? Yeah. That's the whole part. Like, Oh wait, there is this much work that I actually have to put into something. Even though you train somebody, like, there's no way I have to work this hard. And it's so great when you have someone telling you like who hasn't worked that hard in something on the physical side, just like, Oh no, man, you, <laughs> this is just, this is just the beginning. You don't even know what you got to do. Like the sacrifice yeah. you got to get to lose weight, to, to make yeah. 10 shots in a row. Like it's man, it's, to make 10 shots in a row, I mean, you got to be, you're spending hours in the gym dedicated. And, and another thing, athletes kind of might have a leg up because, you know, when you go into trying to figure out how to do something else, like, you know what it feels like, or you know how hard you got to work to really get good at something already. You know what I mean? So um, you, you know the feeling of hard work and, and like determination. So when you put it, that same hard work and focus into something else, like you're going to get those results. You know what I mean? So athletes in that you know uh you're ahead you're ahead of the game a little bit you know what i mean so mm-hmm. it's just about it's just about hey broaden your horizons a little bit now i want to take it back to college i got to play one year with you and you were coming off a red shirt year and i think uh we were all coming in that year the syracuse program itself was just like ah two nits in a row not real and no one really saw no one ever sees potential in the syracuse program like at all ever i mean preseason rankings i mean it almost is like bad that if we get a strong preseason ranking so we usually get you know very high up 20 to 25 is the kindest we'll ever get in the entire year it's on us to prove it and then that year was just it's incredible a lot of highs but we had a lot of lows that one i know you had yeah. experienced a lot of lows um yes. but i still remember 
I mean, even that year, I mean, it was crazy. We had six overtime game. The amount of people we got to play against, we forget about that preseason NIT tournament. We're playing against number one, Kansas Jayhawks. We go into yep. Kansas and we beat them up in the double overtime game. Yep. And, but I still remember after um, the suspension and everything when the entire Syracuse fan base had free e-t-shirts. <laughs> like that was loyalty like we got your back Thirty thousand people was like oh man just chanting free e. i don't even know if you were in the building still that night or if you were on the suspension but it was just i don't even you know what i couldn't even i, I couldn't even live on campus like i had to i had to move <laughs> i had to move my stuff off campus into a off-campus apartment so um you know couldn't go to class really or i think that's the only thing i could do was go to class but um i think i did it online or something but no that was that was definitely a crazy time i mean i, I learned a lot from that um because you know when when you take away something that you really love to do it's tough man you, you have to kind of think uh think about it and, and you know the things you have to change and, and stuff like that but uh that group of guys man what an awesome team it was it, we had a lot of like you said a lot of highs, a lot of lows. Um, I, that was the season where we had the six OT, uh, you know. So it was it was a pretty pretty fun season for sure. Good group of guys to be with. Mm, yeah, I still uh, JT, Jay Tizzle. He still lives out in uh, California, so I connect with him here and there. I haven't seen him in a minute, but he's still doing well, man. He's still my guy. Yeah, JT. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's the last one up there, just jumping around at the free throw. <laughs> <laughs> Oh man, oh, what times! Um, but I, I know that really played into your growth as a person because I remember being in Pittsburgh when you were back on, back on the squad, and you know just seeing and what a lot of people don't see and what you know you can't believe that you know other college kids are yelling at other college kids, the things that would come out of people's mouths, you know. And I saw that. Uh, game. Remember that game? You really, it was tough for you because you know things people were saying and it was just like I can't, I can't even play ball right now without going in the crowd putting your hands around someone's neck so I mean how was how, how have you transitioned so much as a person because I know people look at you and even people who knew you then was like oh people just saw you as the bad boy of college basketball white guy with tattoos who trash talks yeah. he, he can't be a good person right <laughs> <laughs> Right. That's, I mean, and, and all those people, you know, they're just seeing me on the court. So they see me, like you said, tattoos, I'm talking trash, you know, I play with an edge, I'm, you know, I'm super passionate out there, emotional. So, you know, automatically, they're going to put oh, this guy's an asshole, this guy, you know, I, I don't like mm-hmm. him and without even, you know, knowing what type of guy I am off the floor. So but if you, you know, hung out with me off the floor, you know, I'm, I'm not that type of guy off, the floor, you know, so uh, and, and, and it's still to some extent that kind of is with me a little bit for those people who don't really know me. Uh, but I mean, as a player, like that's, that's how I grew up playing. Like I was a passionate dude. I was uh, super competitive and it, and I always talked shit. It was kind of like something that got me going, you know what I mean? And when I see, saw other guys on my team talking shit, I'm like, yeah, like, let's go. You know what I mean? Like this is, this is, I mean, if you're passionate about anything, you're going to be fiery about it a little bit. You know what I mean? You're going to, mm-hmm. you know, whatever, if you, if you like golf, if you like, you know, and you miss a, if you make a bad shot, you're going to throw your club into the pond or whatever it is. You know what I mean? It's just, <laughs> but, but, you know, for, for all those people, like, and, and yeah, it's funny because that Pittsburgh game, I remember going out there, you know, I was by myself shooting up and I just remember the whole crowd was started chanting, you know, they started chanting the girl's name, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And, and then, 
And I remember, and I remember uh, Coach Bayheim. He he was he came and brought me to the side. He was like, "You sure you want to go out there? Are you are you all right?" I'm like, "Yeah, I mean, I'm all right." It, and and it went on the whole season. You know, Georgetown that their band had a whole song about it. And so I, I remember that was, now. But, wow, I I remember it. The hey hey Eric. Why'd you hit that girl? Yeah, yeah. Yep. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And, and, you know, people are going to, they're assuming they're going to make up stories, what, you know, what happened and, and, and they don't know what really happened. But at the end of the day, uh, I, I'm the one who put that target on myself. You know what I mean? So um, I learned, I learned from that. And it, it was something that uh, now that I look back, I, I'm glad I went through it because it, it changed me as a person and how I got to carry myself, especially, um, you know, when you're in the spotlight, you know what I mean? You, you have to be careful of, what you say and even more so now obviously with social media just imagine back then if it was all the social media like we had now you know what I mean it would have been it would have been over like you know what I mean so um definitely learned a lot from that and um you know I'm better for it Mm -hmm. yeah I really think uh we missed that curve of social media being 18 to 22 year old men because even me I mean I live pretty 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 fun wild time you know even as an adult but like if it was then (laughs) oh my god oh my god just yeah i i I can't even go and even deeper into that a lot yeah a lot of this stuff probably wouldn't have been happening just to be honest because it would have you know what i mean it was we were more you know doing stuff not not really thinking about it and worried about hey they're gonna take this and put it on that you know what i mean we didn't really have to worry about that type of stuff so yeah these kids nowadays it's it's uh it's definitely tougher to move around. Yeah. I mean, I remember being like very guarded even then, like, I'm especially living with Andy. Andy was always guarded. Like, Hey, who are these people? I'm going to be by myself in South campus. Like, that's it. And it's like, that like rubbed off on me. It's like, it's like, wait, why does someone want to be nice to me? Why does someone want to be here? But it's like, you know, even now some of these guys coming in, you know, you you understand why they got to protect themselves. So you got to have blinders on because so many limited people make it to the top. And yeah, you know, just besides the hard work, I mean, the, the distractions and this life that happens, you know? Well, now it's even, it's, it's a hundred times more distractions. It seems like with all, uh, you know, the, the people on social media telling you this and, and tweeting it. I mean, if you make a wrong step there, you're going to hear thousands of people saying you did this wrong. You did that criticize you, whatever, especially if you're in the spotlight. And then, uh, and, and it seems now, Nowadays, these kids, they, everyone has like a, a circle around them and, and I don't know if they're good or bad, so, you know, so uh, it's definitely more distractions, man. And, and um, you know, so it's, it's tougher for the kids. So, and But again, the kids are different than we were, I, I think. I, I, th- I think it's just the generation is totally different, like the mindset. Um, you know, it's more so like, hey, like they love what comes with it, like being like, you know, if you're a good basketball player, you know, and all the stuff that comes with it. But do you really love the game and have a passion for the game? You know what I mean? It's it's a difference, you know? So uh, it's it's kind of few few and far between of those kids who really, really care about it. No, completely. It's like, it's, like you said, it's a different time. I mean, I know you've uh, – you still primarily train, uh, train kids, train adults, and, you know, I've had my, my share and take doing that around the world. Um, 
you know, but that just comes down to having empathy. It put, comes down to being in the other yes. person's shoes. How do I relate to, you know, this six-year-old who might be having the worst day of his life as a six-year-old who's coming in, you know, again, and that's, a, I think that's a problem with a lot of adults. They, they just completely disengage and say, hey, just listen to me because I'm bigger than you. I mean, if you think like, I mean, even me growing up, I mean, we got spanked, we got hit, you know, as kids, like that was like still like the norm then, but like even farther right. back was just listen to me because I'm the older person do as I say. And like, they, there's just no, um, talking to kids like, Hey, these are human beings. Also, let me find a way to incentivize them to want to do something and to be better. It's tough and, though. And it's, it's not too, easy. It, it, it's, it's, it's super tough, especially like we'll say something is easy. You're showing a kid how to dribble with your right hand or your left hand and, and they can't do it. So you're in your head, you're like, man, what the heck? This kid sucks. Like you're like, how the heck can he do this? And I, I was able to do it right away. You know what I mean? Like it's, but we're totally two different people. You know what I mean? And, you, and, and being a trainer or whatever it is, a mentor, you, like you said, you have to have that empathy and you have to put yourself in in those person's shoes, like they're a total, their learning level is totally different than yours. You know how their approach their mindset, it's totally different. So you have to be able to like, you know, almost not, I want to say dumb yourself down, but get down to the level to where they're at of it. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? And, and, and think how they're kind of thinking about it. And, and that, that could help you more. So, and because a lot of times, and you said at the beginning, your ego gets in the way right away. Like you're like, your ego is like, oh, man, I'm not dealing with this kid, man. This kid can't even, dribble with his right hand you know what I mean that's that's your ego talking to you and you, you got to be able to you know push that ego to the side and and do it for you know for the kid not it's not for you it's for the kid you know mm -hmm. I mean that's just a bigger play on society in general you know we just feel yeah. like hey I can talk down to somebody because I have more money than them or I have this position of power I have more experience in them rather than improving upon what we already have it's just let's keep it as is keep moving keep steady slow slow gradual increase and see you later it's like that's yeah, you, you don't are really, we settling you don't, yeah and you don't like i mean i'm not saying this for everyone but like as far as like bosses go why wouldn't you um, you know, want to mentor all the people that your employees under you to get to where you're at. You know, why would you want to like stifle these people and keep them under you so you could feel better about yourself? You know what I mean? That's not, that's not what it's about. It's about, you know, uh, building these people up to eventually to where they could go, you know, if higher than you, whatever it's the ego. But again, the ego gets involved to where like, Oh, I'm bigger. I know, I know more. And it, that's just the way it is. But we don't think like that as a society. It's like all based on like greed and, uh, and ego. And, and we just want to, it's almost like we want to keep everything to ourselves instead of helping others out to kind of get on the same level. Just imagine if everyone was like, you know, building each other up to get on to a higher level, like society would be in a whole different, you know, place than it is now. You know what I mean? Well, we know where that comes from, right? Fear fear yeah. of just everything and then it builds upon fear and then why are we fearful well we think we're going to die or we think that someone's going to take our spot and this is going to be the end when we don't know if life really ends or not and that's why we all need either meditation or acid i vote for both everybody needs a good <laughs> dosage i'm not going to put it in the water supply i think this, it's a natural choice everybody just needs a good tab or some psilocybin and everybody will be able to really work on some of their stuff to get a good mind reset. 
And, it, and it's crazy that you said fear because, I mean, it comes in all different degrees, right? Like it could mm-hmm. be something as, as simple as like, you know, I'm, you know, I miss my workout. I'm scared. I'm, I'm, I'm going to lose. I'm not going to, you know, get in the shape that I need to get. Or, you know, it's something like you miss something out of your routine during the day. It, it throws you completely off. You know what I mean? You're, you're scared. You can't get back on track. So it's, and, and for me too, like, cause I'm such a, I'm like a routine guy. I wake up, you know, I meditate. I, you know, I work out. I, you know, I try to, you know, keep a routine. Right. But it's it sometimes it's good, but sometimes you, you know, it can get you to where like, in a box you know what I mean it's not like it's you want to be be able to be free and and not have those anxieties of you know if you miss out on something you know what I mean those but and then you could go to you know like you said fear and somebody's getting better at you somebody's catching up if you don't do this like wh- why are we worried about all these things you know what I mean it's like at the end of the day everybody is their own person but but still in the back of your mind we're thinking of like oh I'm, I'm not as good as him I'm not going to be good like I don't know and I think to myself like that all the time. Why do we worry about that? Because I, I do. I still do. I wouldn't be lying if if I said I, you know, I had a completely, you know, I'm not worried about anything. I do. You know what I mean? It, but I think the biggest thing for me is, and what I've been learning is, you know, I, I catch myself when I do that. You know what I mean? I'm like, man, sh- what, what, shake out of this shit. You know what I'm saying? Like this is, you know, this is for me. This is my path. You know what I mean? And and because worrying just it doesn't get you anywhere. It like it brings more fear. You know, like you said, and, and, and fear is like, it can be a complicated, it's a complicated word almost because it's so much, it has so much depth and it can go so many different directions. You know what I mean? It's, you hit it on the head when you said that for sure. No, a lot of our talks have been about, you know, mindfulness, meditation, the, the life after, and we've, we've gone deep the past few times we've talked. Um, but how, how did you get into all this? Who, uh, who put you on to, you know, meditation, mindfulness, and how did you get into all of it? So actually, when I went back to finish my degree, um, I think it was 2015, 14, 15, something right there. But um, uh, I had an old old professor, Dr. Grimes, who taught, you know, meditation classes. And when I went back, I I took them. I took one of her uh, meditation classes. So that was kind of my introduction. and, And it was really like, man, I was just intrigued about how the mind works. And like, you know, if, if, like, if you don't pay attention to anything, like it, you won't know anything. Like the mind is just chatting all day and you, it's just like, it's normal. But you want to figure out why is it doing this? Like, why is it saying so? Why am I having these crazy thoughts sometimes? Like whatever it is. And so I really got, I was really intrigued with kind of like figuring out more how the mind works and why it does these things And in meditation really like, it, it you know it helped me learn more about it like it slowed it down and like I started reading more about like Buddhism and because that's I think for me like that's really like the I guess religion whatever w- that I relate to more so like I you know it, it just makes sense to me you know what I mean like mm-hmm. you having these thoughts like I don't know man it's the it's so complex man it's like you could really go super in depth with it and like I don't know. It's just, it's a, it's a lifelong process. You know what I'm saying? And I really, I really got into it and it's been probably like, I don't know, almost four or five years since I've, you know, started meditating and, and kind of just learning more and more about it. And um, yeah, it's a lifelong thing, man. You'll never, like you can never stop learning. You're always going to, it's always something new to grasp. You know what I mean? And, and like I said earlier, we only use 10% of our brain. That's, it's crazy. Like 
if we had X, how can I get access to the other 90%? You know what I mean? To where, and, and I think we, you said it, we know, we know some ways to, to access <laughs> it, but, but uh, it's just, it's just like, it's, it's crazy, man. And, and I don't think people are always distracted and doing so many things. They don't even take the time to sit down and really think about things like that. <laughs> you know what I mean? The, but that's the most important thing in the world is like, knowing yourself and knowing your how your mind what your mind's doing you know what i mean it's mm -hmm. it's important man it's important man no i do i think <clears throat> that's like the biggest thing missing i mean just continuously sitting down with your thoughts to say oh my god why am i starting to have anxiety that i didn't yeah. work out yet today but yeah. then to go deeper onto that it's like why and where is that anxiety coming from where is that fear that if I'm not going to exercise is causing me this anxiety. And like, you got to continuously play on that and close your eyes and go deeper and deeper because you have to get to that source. And until you get and get through those layers of, of who you are. And although I'm talking, like I know what I'm talking about, everybody, I don't, I suffer from all this stuff. <laughs> I <gotta> figure <laughs> it out myself. There's a great new show, dude. You would love this show. Um, one of my favorite comedians, and he's not even like a big standup comedian, but uh, his name's Duncan Trussell. He's got a new series on uh, Netflix called The Midnight Gospel. And it's okay. like a uh, animated claymation series. It looks kind of like Rick and Morty, but he's just like this dude who lives in a trailer, but it's like a cartoon. But he goes inside his, his what's it called every night, his uh, simulation machine. And he's going off in the universe into a different reality. And he's talking with these people for his, like his video cast. So he's like, can I interview you? And each character is actually some like, buddhist teacher or like somebody i know i recognize from his show that he does in real life and they're just talking about philosophy of life and this and that when you die and this happens and that happens and it's just like it's made me feel better every night i've watched the past two days really and, and that's crazy though. highly recommend it, it, it it's crazy that you say like it makes you feel better because it, it does make you feel better because it's like there's more to it right you know what i mean it's like more than this like it's I, and and like you said, like I'm talking, like I know what I'm talking about. We really, I, we really don't know anything. No one really knows anything. It's just like that's how, how out there this this stuff is. You know what I mean? It's just like you trying to fathom the stuff. I'm like, oh man, I I go crazy sometimes. But it's it makes me feel better when I kind of think like when you you know uh, afterlife or you know what I mean. It, the stuff that you're doing can affect, I don't know. You know what I mean? It's just, it's just crazy, man. And I was, it's intriguing. You know what I mean? So I, I, I wanted to learn more about it and, and I'm still trying to do that, you know? Yeah. I think the, the best message I got from that show is like, there's this, this feeling of life that we try so hard to protect ourselves from and shield ourselves away from. So we have, you know, a job and we have these things and that thing, but like, even like we trying to hide ourselves from the fear like we give ourselves anxiety, but we never confront whatever that fear is the most genuine feeling it could have. And then, you know, something that can give you to make you feel, to cry or to feel love. Like we completely try and shield ourselves away from that any which way we possibly could to actually live to what it is to be human. And it was like, whoa, I really need to reassess what, what I'm doing and how I get anxiety and how I get fearful of things. Cause like, there's no reason, there's no point to, and I'm not even enjoying my human experience whatever this may be yeah it's it's like it's in depth man and i mean i i've, I've read a lot about it and you know i think and and with all religions it's kind of like 
I guess all of them, even like with Buddhists and, Christ, and Christianity and all that, all the core values are pretty much the same. You know what I mean? If you really kind of look into it, like love, kindness, you know, you know, but then you just go off into, you know, everything, you know, the world is 12,000 years old, whatever it is, you know what I mean? It's, mm-hmm. but like the core, I think like the core values are um, very, very similar. You know what I mean? So, um, but you know, it's people just, you know, take it, blow it out of proportion with, Oh no, you, you're not this, you're, you're man, come on, man. Like, it's just, it's unreal. No, if you read the gospels, if you read, you know, and look at it, you know, what any, any religion, what it is, I mean, I got the Bhagavad Gita right in the bathroom, you know, that's my, yeah, I got the incense and Bhagavad Gita right there to read that because I mean, that's even more like in a narrative, like a story, you know, kind of like ex, uh, the old Testament where, you know, you're not meant to read these things as they are. You're supposed to get the message out of them. You know, why, that's, why yeah. we do things like, where's the, where is the beauty in everything? If you really go back and read like even the new Testament in the early Christian writing, it's like, it's really beautiful of the way they talk about life everything that comes with it it's like oh don't worry about a pope and a bishop it's like think about this and think about how you look and perceive life and it's like you said it's just taking off the veils of all the extra stuff because again that's that's the part where we try and hide the beauty of life where we say oh there's this thing and then we're going to put this thing over here and there's just more layers to block you from enjoying your existence and to be or just to be just just to be i think too like everyone's gonna look at stuff and perceive it differently but if you're like if you're trying to do right by people and and doing the right thing as long as you're perceiving it and it makes you happy like this this kind of you know you're looking at this and oh i'm looking at this because whatever it is it makes me feel this type of way if it makes you feel good it makes you do good things makes you treat people the right way then do it. You know what I mean? That's what you should, that's what you should do. That's how you should look at that. You know, I might look at it a different way, you know what I mean? But mm-hmm. as long as it, it's making me feel good and, you know, I'm taking care of my family and myself and, and treating people the way they need to be treated. Like that's all it is. You know what I mean? Everyone's never, no one is going to be like-minded in everything. You know what I mean? But you want to kind of find that, I guess that, what am I trying to say? that commonality, I guess, to where it's like the balance. You, yeah. That balance. Right. That you want to find that balance, right. To where, you know, you're not on the same page, but treating each other with respect. Completely. Now I have to take it back to trash talking. Cause I remember, and cause I never trash talked before I got to Q's. Like I was laughing and joking on the court, <laughs> fucking with people, you know, I could, I could troll them, you know, and mess with somebody. But when I got to Q's and you guys all were just, you know, trash talking, like on the court, the language. I was, I thought we're on the same team. Like, oh man, like I know everybody's being mean to me already because I'm the only freshman walk-on coming in. But it's like, oh damn it, like I, I got to battle even harder now until I got it. And then like, oh okay, okay, swagger game jumped up by a thousand. How you got to deliver yourself on the court? Okay, all right, I know how to do it the right way. And it was like just mind blowing though at first. And now it's like, I can't help but trash talk. I mean, if I go play pickup ball and, <laughs> and, and, to like, and that's, I mean, again, like that's how I, that's how I grew up playing. Like, you know, I was always playing with older guys and they're always, you know, talking trash to me, cursing me out, whatever, oh, you little MF, whatever it is, you know what I mean? So I kind of carried that with me and it gave me an edge anyway. It gave me like, you know, a chip on my shoulder, you know what I mean? And, 
Uh, I think like, and, and I'm not saying you have to talk trash, but I'm just saying that you have to play with that passion. You have to play with that competitive side. And uh, it was pretty cool having a guy like Johnny Flynn because he was like the same type of dude as far as like competitiveness and talking trash. Like, you know, I mean, it was times in practice where we were ready to fight. You know what I mean? And and that's like just guys competing at the highest level. You know what I mean? And you don't really, you know, I don't know if you see it everywhere, but I don't think you see it a lot nowadays. Like, you know, I go to some practices and, you know, they're not they're not trying to compete like that where they're, you know, if you if you bump somebody or push them off or that's just that's just part of the game. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And we're going to feel some type of way, but it's just, it's got softer, I think, you know what I mean? And I, I love, you know, going to practice, seeing guys competing to where, you know, they're, uh, they're almost fighting. You know what I mean? Like, that's just, and then if you make a basket and you feeling good, like, yeah, I'm letting you know. And then, and, my, and then I'm telling my teammate, if my teammate hit a three, like, yeah, let him talk to him, let him know. You know what I mean? Like we're getting back on D we're getting each other. I think it's just the whole team morale goes up with, with that and the confidence, you know? So, um, you know, people can get, get it misunderstood a little bit, but I love it. No, I think every guard who had to compete against me into 2012 when I graduated knew that I wasn't going to go soft on you. Number one, yeah. because I built it as my job. Like, hey, I got to know what kind of way this guard plays. I got to get them better. I know every single guy's weaknesses. And I'm going to exploit those weaknesses every day in practice. Yeah, I, I'm trying to exploit them because I want more playing time. But at the same time, I can do my job on a daily basis. And like you said, like, oh, that's how, you know, the whole accent happened with Coach Beheim. You know, he walks down the middle of the court in practice. I'm playing <laughs> Dion full court. And I pick the ball from Dion. I got to go get this ball. I'm barely going to dunk it, you know, throw it in and pull the rim down. Like, I'm going to go down there and get this. And I'm going straight at Coach. And he's right in the middle of the court. I jump this way. He goes to the right. I jump left. He goes to the left. And I squeeze around him, but kick his hand. And, you know, it just broke and dislocated everything. And it was <laughs> ring finger. And, man, I thought after that, I was like, just, oh, yeah, I got a scholarship now. But, like, I'm done. He, this, guy's, this guy's shipping you home. Like, like I, I'm not going to go pack my bag in the locker room. Right now. You know what? He probably he, he and knowing Coach Bayheim like I know him, he he probably liked you even more after that. You know what I mean? Just <laughs> just the type of guy he was because he's he's a super competitive dude too. Like he 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 loves nothing more than winning. You know what I mean? Like oh yeah, it's, it's his kids and then winning. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like that's just that's just him. So um, I I just found that out from him. Like you know, playing, like, he loves competitive guys. And, like, you know, he doesn't want to see any of that back down. And, and me and him got into it, uh, you know, on several occasions. But one thing that I As a player is, or as a coach? Because I know you coach with him. No, not as a coach. Not, no, not as a coach. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, but, no, as a player. Um, but, you know, he respected, you know, my, my competitiveness and, and uh, you know, my passion for the game and, you know, he tells me that, you know, every now and then. But, um, yeah, man, I just, you know, I'm better for it, man, for, for the way that he coached me and how he got on me. Um, and, and I'm the type of guy, like, I love that. Like, I because I, you yell at me, I'm like, man, fuck this dude, man. I'm about to go show him right now what's going on. You know what I mean? So I, I wasn't the type of dude to, like, shell up or, or be like, man, eh, I don't, that wasn't me. I, I wanted to go out there and prove you wrong. Yeah, I know. Yeah. 
I don't know names. It was, just, it was I remember a bunch of guys like were like that though. They came in like top dog, and then Bayham starts yelling at him, and it just like I, I was lucky to perceive that way too. Like, oh, this guy's not saying my name. He's not talking to me. Like, I think Dan Swirls gave me that note when I first got there. If this guy's not talking to you. He don't know your name. You're you're doing a good job. Just, just keep moving. Just keep just keep moving. <laughs> <laughs> Dan Shout out Swirls. Shout out to Dan Swirls. He's he's uh been holding down the equipment room like with lock and key. You're lucky. You're lucky to get a pair of socks out of there. Actually, he threw me a shirt last time I was there. I got a full. No, Syracuse dry fit. That was massive. You don't. No one ever gets that. Yeah, after after ten years, you come <laughs> back and you you get a shirt. Oh, <laughs> uh, what a guy. Um, yeah, I remember the first time Beheim yelled at me. It was we're about to do that orange and blue scrimmage freshman year. I think Johnny was hurt. JT was hurt. All right, Brandon, you're on blue team. You're going against Eric, and I'm like, just what? I got to start in this thing. I'm just like, oh shit, fuck. Like, I, is that I, where we did the little walk? We did the walk before or something? Yeah. And he, he just goes, he, he, I think he spoke to me once or twice the whole time. And he stops practice and goes, I, I threw the ball away like in a five on O. Like, I really didn't know the plays at all. He goes, <laughs> who is this? Who is this guy running my practice? Like, not smirking at all, just complete like disgust. Like, can someone get this retard out of here? I need someone in here who could run my practice. Like, what the fuck's going on? To you? You're like, okay, let's give me get the ball. Let me get back in. Okay, I'll run the show. Just like, but just like, oh man, just put on the spot in front of everybody. Oh, oh he's man. known for that. He's known for that. He's uh, he's not going to hold back. He doesn't care who he is. <laughs> like- <laughs> Yo, know, I had to ask you, and uh, I wanted to get into know your experience in coaching especially at Cuse but who recruited you into Cuse so well first off I was committed to Michigan State my sophomore year um, I committed to Michigan State and then I actually went to a game at Michigan State when they played Syracuse the national championship year 2003 they played at Michigan State Syracuse did Um, and when I saw them play it was the first time I saw them play I was like man I want to go here I want to change my mind this is where I want to go so I told I told my AU coach that, um, and then I, I, later that week I had to call Coach Tom Mizzo and tell him I decommitted. And by the way, he told me that was the worst decision I'd ever make in my life when I told him that. So no, like, he did that. 16. He did that. I was 16 years old, and I was like, I'm thinking to myself, I probably have a lot more mistakes to make in my life <laughs> than this one. You know what I mean? But um, so he said that, and then my my uh, AU coach called Coach Beheim, Syracuse. They flew down that week to watch me practice uh, in Detroit. And it was Troy Weaver and Coach Beheim. So Troy Weaver is now the uh, general manager of, I want to say, Washington Wizards or OKC, one of the two. Um, but they saw me practice and then they offered me a scholarship on the spot. And yeah, that was it. I said, yeah. He, he Basically, Coach is like, so uh, do you want to come? And I'm like, and I'm like, yeah, I'm like, I'm like, yeah, I do. So <laughs> and, uh, that, that was kind of it. And he was like, well, welcome, son. And then, <laughs> yeah, I do. <laughs> and, that, and that was it, man. It was kind of, it, it was easy. I mean, I was committed at the time. So like, it wasn't really, you know, guys were expecting for me to, you know, open up. So 
when I reached out, it was kind of like, damn, well, yeah, I guess I was, I was, uh, you know, high recruited at that time. So um, I was fortunate enough to have, you know, kind of my choice of school where to go to, but Syracuse was the, was the best fit for me. Lucky guy. And, um, and then you moved into, and so Troy, so it wasn't one of the guys, the coaches there. Cause I remember for me, it was like burn, burn recruited me. Like, you know, Hey, you want to come here, you get a spot, you know, there's no scholarship potential. You can earn a scholarship in the future. So it's kind of like whenever I had a problem, like you went to your coach, you went to your guy, like yes. who, who, who was yours when you were there? Was it Murph? Was it, was it hop? Yeah, I, well, I guess it would be it, it would have been Murph, right? Because you know Murph was uh, from Michigan. I, you know, he was involved with my AAU program when I was growing up, so I was familiar with him. So it was Murph, but it was really Hop too. Like Hop was Hop was like he was the guards guy. You know, Murph was down there with the forwards, right? So it was, um, you know, Hop was Hop was my guy, man. Like in in, it's a super high energy guy. So I was always oh feeling my good. God. You know? <laughs> You know, I, I was always feeling good around him, and, you know, he always had that energy. And uh, I still talk to him this day, man, just whether it's for advice or, you know, whatever it may be. But, yeah, Hop, Hop was my guy for sure. I haven't talked to Hop in a while. But another crazy Mike Hopkins story, man, I got. Remember when he used to punt the ball in Manly Fieldhouse? <laughs> <laughs> all, all the guards after that, after you didn't practice in Manly Fieldhouse, you don't know what practices used to be like, the the fighting, the the ball punting, the language. It's so much nicer over at that, at that mellow center. Oh, because you used to have, you used to have like, we'd practice and then you'd have the track team running around the track. Track team, yeah, yeah. lacrosse, <laughs> I mean, it was, it was everybody in there. And Hop used to just lay into me. Just You were the only freshman walk-on, man. You just got just, I think, for the first two months of guard groups in practice, like, just, you made a mistake. Are you fucking high, Reese? What the fuck is wrong? Just punt the ball across the gym. You're like, did I actually do something wrong here? Or is he just, if he just grilling me right now, just you didn't know how to react. <laughs> I'm like, you didn't have Mike Hopkins before 2008. You don't know Mike Hopkins as a coach. He, you know, it's impressive too because for a guy to be able to bring that energy every day like that, that's tough, man. You know what I mean? It's 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 tough. It, it's I know he was drained. You know what I mean? But oh yeah, uh, that's what that's what made him. You know his energy. You know, obviously his knowledge for the game, but his energy was just on a different level than everybody else, and and that's what kind of made him what he is. I think. Mm-hmm. No, I'm really happy that he's got that head coaching job and he's crushing it over there at. Uh... At Washington, because I mean, like you said, being drained. I mean, I remember him sleeping just like passed out under a basketball hoop at the Mellow Center, like <laughs> still in his shorts and his shirt. You know, twenty degrees outside. Like, were you planning on going home, like, or were you already out the door? Like, hop, right, go home. It was many days where he probably didn't. Oh man, nuts guy. But that's what I want to get into. When you got into coaching, um, I knew you coached at Syracuse, and you were on as a was were you, were you your business or a GA when you were there, or were you you so, know? So when I was at Q's, it was uh they, my official title was assistant strength coach, but it was just a title, um you know for me to be able to kind of um, get my foot in the door, and and I was in all the coaching meetings, and, and you know coach he treated me like I was a coach, you know what I mean? He uh you know he he gave me say in the meetings, he asked me questions, you know obviously I was uh, working closely with the guys, so that was a real cool experience, especially, um, you know, to be able to work alongside a, 
you know, I played there, but then it's the totally different, you know, seeing them in that war room, you know, seeing them in, um, in those meetings, watching film together, um, just really soaking everything up. I mean, it's a, it's a awesome opportunity to learn from a hall of fame coach. So, um, I was, I was there for two years doing that. And then, um, I had an opportunity, um, last year to be a special assistant to the head coach, um, at Detroit Mercy, uh, with Mike Davis. Um, so, you know, two pretty, you know, well-known coaches. Um, so it was, it was pretty cool to learn and totally two different philosophies, right? It's, it's pretty interesting to see, um, you know, different coaches approaches to the game, you know what I mean? And how they run their practice, how they talk to their players. Um, it, it, it was totally different. So, um, but it was, uh, an experience that, um, that helped me out for sure. What was the biggest difference? Like, or, you know, if I only knew, like when you got to be on the coaching side, especially at Syracuse and you get to watch practices now and watch games, like what was like the biggest, like, ah, Hmm. Yeah. I missed out right there. <laughs> that was, that was one. I, what was I doing? So, so for the, uh, you mean on the coaching side? Yeah. Yeah. Like when you have to so, look back now and you were like, ah, oh, man, as a, if I was a player and I did this here, you know, yeah. I went around there. What was the biggest, uh, the biggest play? Well, I mean, I was, uh, now you realize you, that I was an idiot. You know what I mean? I was, <laughs> I was an idiot back then. <laughs> you know what I mean? So, and then, uh, you know, as far as playing goes, you know, we're really in there dissecting the films, breaking it down. Um, so I, I could really see, like, even in the zone when you're telling, man, I got it, I got it. You, you don't got it. Like you break it down and like, like you're, you know, you're three steps off to where you're supposed to be. You're still standing there when the ball's on the wing and you're supposed to be bumping that guy down to the corner. You know what I mean? Things like that. So um, it was definitely an eye opener. Uh, when I started watching more and more film, it, it really helped me learn the game and learn players' tendencies. Uh, you know, players have, uh, you know, and we all have tendencies just in regular life to do stuff really unconsciously, not even know it. You know what I mean? So mm-hmm. um, it, it was kind of cool to uh, really see guys tennis in that, and that could help me um, teach them better. You know what I mean? We got to break this habit, man. We got to, you know, when the ball goes there, you're, st- you're just standing. You know what I mean? You got to, you know, move on the pass. You know what I mean? Stuff like that. So, um, you know, watching film and, and breaking that stuff down, really realized that um, I made a lot of more mistakes than I, than I thought I did. You know what I mean? Yeah, I really wish I watched more film of myself. I mean, I got to improve tremendously. You know, I, I, it was like, oh, I didn't get to go in the game as much or get as much playing time. But, like, you know, I'm playing against future lottery pick guards every day in practice. One of them ended up yeah. being a rookie of the year. Um, but all professionals. So, you know, the quality of experience and the chance to improve every day, which I, I think I definitely did, um, was just amazing. But if I got to go back and look at that film, and you know, Brew had the film to go up and look in practice, but again, it was the onus was on me to say, "Hey, Todd, yeah. make a DVD. I'll buy you the DVDs. Here you go to go do that extra work." But again, that's the difference of being, you know, a semi-pro to just scratching professional service to, to you know, being a consistent player. I mean, you know, like you said, I was an time, idiot. At the same time, though. He could have did what he, he could have just went in and put a tape in and gave you the film. I mean, it wouldn't have been a big uh, ordeal or anything like that. But yeah, he, I mean, that's his, uh, that's his area. That's his sacred, you know, so you, you got to make sure that, you know, sir, may I please uh, have this? 
Yeah, you know I mean, so it's just it's, you know, and, and again, let's get back to ego. Like this is his, this is my this is my stuff. You know what I mean? So like it's you got to approach it as as it is. No, totally. I remember like I, I do a lot of video editing now. It's like you know my main job and income, and I think about like when it was my senior year and. I asked coach, you know, if you can make phone calls. I'm so, I got some tryouts in Israel set up. I think we were trying out for the same team, the Haifa team, that summer in 2012. That burn in Miami. Yeah. yeah. And I had some other tryouts later that summer. I actually flew to Israel to do a few things for a few teams. And I was like, hey, coach, you know, can you make some phone calls? You know, can I, can I put your phone number down as a reference? You know, ah, you know who knows me? You know, I'm not, I'm not that well known, well known of a guy. <laughs> And I'm like, you know, he's like, I don't know how many more favors I'm going to ask this guy. He's like, all right. But, and then it's like, okay, I need film. And I got a limited amount of film. Who's the film guy? Todd, I need, can you do this? He goes, here you go. You can press all these buttons and do this. And it was like, now I think back to my first video editing gig. It's like, all right, I got to cut up all this film <laughs> and go through every single practice. And I need this thing here and do that. And I literally just sat there and I, and I was cutting it. And doing it, it's like, oh man, like you said, if you want to get there, no one's going to do it for you. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, like you said, you, you learned how to do it yourself. Now you don't got to worry about asking Brew. <laughs> <clears throat> oh man, I fear I've almost even forgot where I was going to go next to it. Um, no, no, no. So, it's funny, like, even now as a coach, because I had the experience I've had coaching. Everybody wants to know the two three zone. Everybody comes to you and just like, hey, hey excuse me, how do you do this? How does it work so well? How do you do this? And it's just like, well, you know, like you you mentioned before, bumping. Like you tell somebody two three zone. Okay, we're gonna use this phrase called a bump. Like, what what are you talking about? A bump? I'm like, all right, you know, the the amount of like tech technical things that coach teaches or he's done inside his own zone. Are, are just things that people even haven't even thought about yet. Right. It's not, it's, and it's crazy because that's, you know, probably 50% of the reason why Detroit Mercy brought me there because I taught every single coach the zone. That's the first thing they're like, all right, we need you to break down the zone <coughs> and teach it from every position. And, and we need every coach to know it. So we break it down to positions. They know where these guys have to do. So I was literally like, you know, coaching the coaches on the zone you know what i mean from the head coach to, the, to all the assistants so um yeah it's it's definitely a different zone it's um you know it's uh you know we have talk inside the zone that people don't know what the heck it's talking about like you said uh you know bumping down or when the ball goes to the high post we're getting out to the shooters those forwards are dropping down or or they're reading if the guy's in the short corner or, or if he's in the in the uh deep corner in the three points so it's a lot that goes into it man and, and you got to really focus and pay attention and, and uh, at Detroit Mercy like it just wasn't you know they got a little bit of it but I don't think they were focused to where they really you know wanted to really get good at it you know you got to pay attention to the detail you know where the ball is on the uh, you know that spot on the wing that opposite wing has to drop in a little bit to where he could be able to play this and that you know what I mean it's just it's it's a lot of different detail in it so you got to be able to focus yeah I, th there there is that the the different caliber of players at the high and highest and lowest or, or whatever yes. level lover Detroit Mercy was but mid-major it, yeah it's also that coach has you know six 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 to six ten guys 
on those bottom corners of that zone who yes. can deny a jump shot like James Sutherland used to come out and just fly out there or yet hack who would yeah. just come out and just block a three-point shooter in the corner of there or who can deny the pass as well as deny the pass into that high post when they run up. And you're right. even getting a side zone, a corner trap. Not, I mean, a wing trap or a corner trap. I mean, it's so, so big and so long. Chris Joseph, when I was there, you know, 6'6 six, six guy who can fly. Just not fair. I mean, I just, yeah, that's the difference. Oh, no these, question. If you have athletes, I mean, if you have guys in the back, 6'10", 6'7", flying all over the place, you know, it takes them one big step to get out to the shooter. You know, wh- rather we have, you know, a guy at Detroit Mercy mid-major school who's, you know, 6'5", six, 6'6", six, six, and, you know, not as long and athletic. It might take him two, three steps, and that's just the difference, you you know, from a shooter getting a shot off to not getting a shot off. You know what I mean? So you take one, one of those steps away, that guy's, you know, knocking that three down. So it definitely helps to be able to, you know, cover that space in one slide compared to two or three. Yeah, I'm even thinking now, like, Jeremy Grant, too. Like, one of the most athletic guys in the NBA. And you had him and James on bo- both corners down there. You, you know why they made it to a Final Four. Like, that's just that's yeah. nuts. It's so fucking well, And then you had Carter Williams up top, 6'6". Six, six. You know, I mean, try to get the ball in the high post right there through him. You know what I mean? So, uh, and then he's flying all over up top. I mean, that was one of the best zones, you know, uh, coaches ever had. Mm-hmm. defensively for sure yeah i mean even the smallest guy is trevor at six two and he's bouncing he's he knows how to play the zone you know what i mean and, and with with guys like that like myself and guys who maybe aren't as uh fast and athletic now it's about making those reads you can cheat it a little bit once you really know it now i can okay i'm cheating over here a little bit because i know i can get to there you know what i mean or i could you know slide down a little bit whatever it is and you know trevor was one of the better ones at that he he you know read it well and uh, you know he did a good job Andy as well I mean Andy averaged almost oh, like yes. two or three steals a game I yeah. think that that year after you uh, left that one we had a great run we just had another bad beat you know Renze yeah. tearing his quad tears a quad a quad of all things in the Big East tournament number one rank going in tears a quad yeah, like, come on, AO, can you suck it up? No, 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 no that's, that was tough. You, I mean, it would have been a national championship uh, at least. We run into Butler. The first year Butler was Butler. Yeah, and it was kind of like you were missing – and Rick did, you know, Rick did what he could do. Like, and everyone – I don't think everyone really had a great a game, but I just – No, think- no, no, we didn't play our best. It was DeShante played a lot of uh, middlemen in that tourney. He came in. The, yeah, your presence, though, like AO's presence. It's it's completely different when you see a guy 6'9", 260 in the middle, and, and, you know, compared – and who's been, you know, producing all year and one of the top players on the team. So, uh, it definitely made a difference him not being in the middle. Yeah, just unbelievable. Of all injuries, you know, a tear. This yeah, guy comes out, sprained his ankle. All right, you know, we're going to really ice this up, get him on the water treadmill. We're good to go. It's just – season-ending tear and the same thing happened with fab you know just like with whatever happened with fab you know rest of solo just like oh we lose a seven foot five blocks a game center going that's into the, the tournament that's the anchor of the zone man even that squad man that was a deep squad 2012 it was Dion, scoop trish carter williams in the backcourt then you had james chris joe 
um, Shante, Fab. Unbelievable. And we yeah, it's, yeah, it was tough, man. It's it's been some it's been some teams that definitely had opportunities to to do some to you know make deep runs for sure. Uh, yeah, I mean, it just got me reminiscing. I think my, my blood pressure is up here. You know, I'm just ready. I'm just jacked up right now. I'm just ready to go. Just thinking about that. <laughs> oh, those losses, oh, they were brutal. Do you guys have a brutal loss? Yeah. What was your most, like, just this toughest loss? Like, oh, shit. I, I mean, I'd, I'd probably have to say Sweet 16 versus Blake Griffin in uh, Oklahoma. I mean, I think we lost by probably, like, seven. <laughs> um, no, no, we lost by, like, 37, like- no? No, we lost. No, we lost by like we lost by like seven, but it felt like it was way more. It was probably free throws towards the end or something. But I mean, it was no, no, no. I played in that game, game, so it was it was it was bad. No, it wasn't. It had, it couldn't have been thirty. It was no way. It was thirty. It had. It was it was closer than that. You got to look that up. I don't know, man. Crocker was off that night. I mean, that guy was hitting like eight or ten threes. That's why I was just gonna tell you that uh, that point of the year he was like. I don't know, 29% shooting from three. And then it always happens with us. He comes in the game and he hits seven threes on that wing. And we're like, man, this dude hasn't been doing this the whole year, but he comes in and hits seven threes. And obviously Blake Griffin did what he did. And uh, Dude, what did he have? He had a quiet 37, hit his head on the he backboard. Like a, <laughs> he had like a quiet 30 and 15 or something. All right. 13 points we lost by. Okay, 13. Yeah, I not as bad. 30. Yeah. Mookie and I must have yeah. came in and did some damage then. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Dude, how excited are you for the next – well, the first first two Jordan pieces were unbelievable. But for the for the rest of this Jordan documentary, like, I'm, I'm just so jazzed. It's like this is the song, the intro song coming in. Like, not it's not like a hip-hop song. It's affiliated with basketball at all. It's just like – some electronic rock song. You're just like, just whoa, like I'm back. Well, in I got it. I kind of got a sneak peek of uh, episode three and four as well. I got to watch both of three and four. My, uh, I was lucky to have a connect to <laughs> who hooked me up to three and four. But um, that's what we were talking about when we were going back. Look at how this dude approached the game. Man. Like, dude, he was an asshole on the floor. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, that's that's what you need. Like, to separate yourself like all these dudes are so talented like they're so talented playing basketball like it's so many good guys who can shoot dribble jump whatever it is like what are you bringing to the table that separating you like you got to be a little bit of a dickhead you gotta be because and i think it it goes in business too and i'm not saying you got to be a a vulture and you just kill this dude but (laughs) you got you gotta be you gotta have a little bit of chip on your shoulder man like it to be to separate yourself like i that's what i i I truly believe that you know and mike obviously was the greatest at it yeah it's like he could be the batman like you know where gotham city doesn't know that batman's gonna come in and he's gonna protect the the harvey dent not sure that this guy's the bad guy that i can be the bad guy for everybody now and everybody know well why is he doing this why is he being this he's like you know, you really get to listen to him talk because he hasn't really been in the limelight. There's no interviews with him. It's just like, 
listen, in order to draw the best out of this person, I had to push people and I pushed people on the court X amount of ways. I wasn't able to get what I wanted from them. Then you got Phil Jackson just guruing him like to the T like, okay, what do I want Michael to get the most out of today? I'm going to put him on this scout team here and put him against the best five here who are just going to just enrage him so much. That's going to make him even better. That's why Phil Jackson like comes in as just like just an incredible catalyst. For oh, the- just men- mentally, it was just knowing what to do and what buttons to push. You know what I mean? And 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 a lot of people need that man. Like they need that that guy to push them because they can't push themselves. So like Michael pushing Scotty, Scotty pushing Horace, whatever it is, man. Those like people need that. Like that's why you know it's it's good when people can learn how to work together and not take, you know, constructive criticism as a personal attack. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. it's, Hey, we're, we're doing this. I'm, I'm trying to get something out of you. Like we're doing this for the better of the team, the better of the business, whatever it is. And, and like, I know you could do that. Like you got to expect that of yourself. You know what I mean? And, and I know that hasn't been your mindset, you know, till now, like I'm letting you know, like you got to expect more of yourself. And sometimes like, People need that. You know what I mean? They need that shot in the chest just to just to let them know they're capable of doing that. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. No, no. I'm that fire of a person. Like, even when I go to a court and play pickup, like, I'm letting the complete stranger know. Like, dude, we're talking. When you drop back over here, like, you better be talking help side. <laughs> and I leave the court later. I'm like, why was I talking to some 16-year-old kid and yelling at him like that? Like, Brandon, what are you doing? It's like, I, I, I want to win that bat. Like, that's, hey, that's, that's the competitor. Ah, man. I mean, that was, that was the part I could relate with, you know, Michael Jordan that much. I remember all those VHS tapes growing up, like Michael Jordan come fly with me, Michael Jordan airtime. Like there were all those, and they would always tell the story about how competitive he was as a kid, where it'd be like he, his brother would beat him. And then when he got to college, he was playing Monopoly all night because he couldn't, he had to beat his roommate in Monopoly before he can get to the next day. And just, yeah. Somehow at like six years old, I was like, okay, I, I, I gotta, I gotta work that hard. If I want to do it, I got to win it more than anybody. Win more than, even That's like now, it. like like if I have a girlfriend or something and we're, like, we're playing something and I lose, like I can show it on the, on the surface. Like, oh yeah, cool. I lost. And the inside though, even if we're playing a board game with a bunch of friends, I'm just like, I'm ready to just, I'm so enraged. I'm like, <laughs> I can't lose. Yeah. That's just you. Like it's, that's, that's what gives you your edge. And uh, I think people, like I said, people can get that, you know, misconstrued a little bit. So give us a sneak peek in episode three and four. I hear one of them's like heavily, heavily Rodman, Rodman based. Yes. The, the, the first one is, is uh, mostly about Dennis. And then, um, I mean, obviously it's always something about Michael in there, but then uh, the next episode, there's, there's a lot about Phil in there. A lot about Phil, like how we grew up, like how his, why his approach is what it is. Like he was, uh, he grew up like on a Native American reservation type thing. So that's why his, uh, you know, the meditation and all the holistic type stuff comes into play. So it was pretty interesting, um, you know, hearing about that too. Phil's a pretty interesting guy. Yeah, a lot of people don't know. You're smoking peyote out in the desert, you know, just, just really. Oh, he's done it. He's, <laughs> he, talks, he talks about that. So he talks about that stuff. Really? Yeah, yeah. He kind of, you know, brings up where he, uh, yeah, I'll let you watch it. I'm not going to say the whole thing. Yeah, well, that's why Rodman's an interesting character when they when they bring him in to that team. You know, they have that meeting at Jerry Krause's house, and they're like, "Okay, Dennis, we need you to say sorry to Scottie Pippen, and then we need you 
this is, you know, this is Michael's show. This is what you need to do. It's like, okay, yeah, here's my thing now. After the game, before the game, you don't know anything about me. I'm gone. I'm out. Like, just the stories of how he used to go, like, from the wooden shower, get dressed, and would just take off, and he's out all night long, shows up back the next day. All right, pulling down 20 rebounds, playing 38 minutes. Just insane. Like, he pushed that all the way till he was, like, 35 years old. And and Phil was like the perfect guy for him because Phil was like, you just kind of got to let him do what he does. You know what I mean? And, and as long as he comes back and does his job, like, hey, what are we going to say? We can't really say too much. And Phil was like, he didn't have him on a leash. He kind of, he knew what type of guy he was and kind of let him do him. But, you know, also had, you know, rules within place as well. Mm-hmm. No, it's just so interesting. But um I know I'm be respectful of your time, and I think uh, we are good to wrap this up. I think I completely botched the live stream. So sorry to anybody on the live stream. If it didn't show both of our faces, if you just had to look at me the entire time, the show will be out tomorrow. I'm going to get this edited up and uh, release and get over to E. Um, e, thank you so much for, uh, for joining, man. I really appreciate it. That was awesome, man. Well, I appreciate you having me. Let's do it again. I'm going to book you in more and more often then. Awesome. We could do a different episode. It doesn't have to be 23, you know? (laughs) Fine, fine. I don't have to wait 100 episodes to get you back on. Real quick, uh, let people know where they can listen to uh, not only see your drills, but um, whether it's going to be on your YouTube channel, but let people know where they can connect with you online. And uh, what I can advocate is tell people that they can just shoot you a message, you know, just a message away to change your life or to, to get to know somebody or to learn something new. Yeah, absolutely. So I'm I'm on uh, most social platforms. So I'm on LinkedIn, just my name, Eric Devendorf. And then I'm on Twitter. It's at E-D-E-V-E-N-2-3. So it's E-D-E-V-E-N-2-3. And then uh, my Instagram is just at Eric Devendorf. So yeah, I post um, videos for the kids and, you know, instructional videos. I mean, for everyone, it's not just for the kids. So, and then just really anything, uh, you know, trying to help the people like sending out positive vibes, positive energy, stuff like that. So yeah, hit me up, man. And, um, you know, I'm out here to help for sure. Listen guys, I was, it was a great defender, but I don't think I ever blocked one of his left-hand layups. Like just, there was just no getting (laughs) to it. Even when you thought you were there, you had him beat, like there's no block in his left hand. You were unbelievable left-hand finisher, man. I will give you. I appreciate you, man. The competitor in me hurts to say to compliment somebody, but oh man, <laughs> you roasted us with that one. That's hey, that's my go-to. <laughs> but dude, thank you so much again for tuning in, and thank you everybody else for tuning in on the live stream. Um, I'm, I hope everything worked out great, and I didn't botch it. But if I did, sorry about that. Next episode will be better. Um, I don't think we'll be the one tomorrow, but there should be one Saturday with another Hooper, AJ Ramsa from UCF. Um, really, really, really cool dude. Really inspiring dude. And please make sure if you watch the show, you like the show, go hit the subscribe button on YouTube. Go follow me on all the platforms. If you watch this on Twitch, if you watch this on Periscope, Twitter, go ahead. Get on the bus with us. There's plenty more bus content to come, especially when quarantine's out. And if you're listening to this on the podcast app, subscribe. Go ahead and subscribe and leave us a review. I only improve from your reviews. And I do read them all. Trust me. I write down who wrote wrote the bad ones. All right. I can't stand that person. (laughs) You're already a kill list, you know? Not a real kill list. Um, And yeah, thanks again, guys. Have a great day. Step and me. Uh-huh. 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 Uh-huh.
the moment uh, for those who...